This is Ellie from the Come Read With Me team. Chris and David are currently working on season four. So until then, check back each week for bonus content from the guys, including sermons, teachings, and an upcoming Q&A. This week, we have one of Chris's sermons from the archive. Enjoy. As, um, as some of you know, I, uh, I do some stuff on Instagram and I play around with it, but um, I, follow, I follow a few accounts online uh, that I think are cool. And I recently found one uh, that posts pictures from Mars, and I think that's pretty cool. And uh, so there's a rover going around on Mars, the planet, and uh, it posts, you know, it records these scenes from Mars and it posts them back. Uh, to Earth, and, and this account posts them. And it's also got a microphone on the rover, so you can actually hear, like, the atmosphere, and, I'm, and, and I think wind, I think. Uh, is there wind on Mars? I think so. Thank you, thank you. Um, and it's really cool, you know. I'm, I'm sitting there in my office, and I'm like, that's Mars, you know, and, and I find that really interesting. And, um, and I've always been interested in space in a kind of a way, not, like, in a weird to... to I'm not, I don't go down a tunnel, you know, but I find it interesting. And um, I'm kind of interested in the idea of man going back onto the moon. And um, in our time, it'd be, I think it'd be really cool to see if, like, people landing on the moon. I remember talking to my dad about it once, and he was like, I remember when I was a teenager looking up to the moon and thinking to myself, there's some people on the moon right now. And I think that'd be really cool in our time. Now, some of you may know that there used to be like the space race going up to... To, uh, to get into space. And Russia were the first into space. There's a guy called Yuri Gagorin. Uh, in 1961, he went to space, first one in, and he returned from space. Now, when, when Yuri went up to space, the doctrine of the kind of Russian um, people was atheism. The Soviet Union was atheistic union, communist party. They didn't want Christianity preached. And when Yuri went up to space and returned, he was asked, you know, what was it like? Does it give you a new impression about like life and everything. And he said, you know, I went up there and there is no God, you know, and sorry for my, my bad Russian accent. <laughs> but I went up and he basically said, I went up to space and there is no God. Therefore, the atheistic, you know, Soviet Union is uh, right. There isn't God. And C.S. Lewis, the kind of amazing man, um, uh, was around at the time. And he was like, what is this guy talking about? He went up to space and didn't see God. So therefore, God doesn't exist. And in reply to this comment, C.S. Lewis wrote a, an essay called The Seeing Eye, in which he said that um, we don't relate to God in the way that you relate to other human beings, or, you know, we don't relate to God the way that you would relate to someone living above you in, like, a f- block of flats. You don't just go up and, in, and meet them and talk to them. You relate to God in a completely different way. C.S. Lewis said that, you, the way that the way that we would relate to God is the way that Hamlet would relate to Shakespeare. Shakespeare, who created Hamlet and his whole world, there is no way that Hamlet can look around his created universe and just find Shakespeare. The only way that, Shakespeare, that Hamlet could meet Shakespeare is if Shakespeare wrote himself into one of his plays and met Hamlet. Now, fast forward, there was a lady called Dorothy Sayers who was a mystery writer. Now, Dorothy Sayers wrote about a detective called Lord Peter Whimsey, and she wrote many short stories about this detective in this world, and, um, and, uh, and she kind of loved her character, but he lived in a gloomy world. He lived in a world of solving crime, and he was quite a lonely guy. 
and um, she wrote in a love interest called Harriet Vane. And scholars and pe- people who kind of uh, study Dorothy Sayers, this writer, said that Harriet Vane was actually Dorothy Sayers writing herself into the book to fall in love with her main character because she kind of fell in love with him and she didn't want him to be alone. And so Harriet Vane and this Lord Detective Peter Whimsey fell in love and they solved things together and they lived happily ever after. 1 John 1. (laughs) In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 14. The Word became flesh. God wrote himself into our story. Why? Similar, I suppose, to Dorothy. Says he loved us and he wants to be with us. And he wrote himself into the story of creation. And that is what the incarnation really is. When the word became flesh. You see, this is a a famous um, image. You would have seen it in many different ways, represented in many different ways. This is Theotokos, the God-bearer. Um, and whenever you see this image of Mary and Jesus, I think there's another one uh, on, that I put up. I don't know if you can click to it. Are you on Instagram? You... <laughs> no, there's another one. So you, you'll know this image. It isn't just like, oh, it's a Catholic image. It's actually meant to represent that God became a baby. That is what you should see. And Mary is usually pointing at Jesus in the child. So here you see um, she's kind of slowly pointing at him. She's looking at you like... This is what God has done for us. This is what this image should speak to you in your mind when you see it. God became a baby. God became flesh. God wrote himself into our story. And he did this because he loves us, because he loves you. And, and can we even grasp this for a, a, a moment? It's really hard to grasp. When you think of Jesus, you probably, maybe you think of like a Jewish rabbi who taught some really great stuff many thousands of years ago. But we need to kind of, Stop ourselves and remember again that Jesus is God fully revealed to us. That he came into this world. That he didn't just teach wisdom. He is wisdom. That Jesus is the all-knowing, loving, powerful God who came amongst us. Who became Emmanuel God with us. Who restores us to this wonderful relationship with him. It's such an exalted position with God. That even the angels look on and wonder at God's love and humility for humankind. We are incredibly loved by an amazing God. I was reading Philippians 2 in my morning quiet time the other day. And, and, and it just struck me, this, um, just what God has done for us. And Philippians 2 says this. In your relationship with one another, have the mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to death on a cross. Today's talk is really just a gospel refresh. This is the gospel. God became man so that mankind could be forgiven and know the extent of God's love. That Jesus accomplished all of this by becoming us and with justice and mercy and love seen in his life, in his death and in his resurrection. We might be united with God and see his glory and live in glory 
with him forever. Now, at the time of writing John's gospel, he uses this word, the word. It's kind of an interesting word. Now, at the time when John was writing, Greek philosophy was, the, you know, they, they, they loved their wisdom. They, were, they talked about the world. And Greeks at the time used this concept of the word. They said that there must be a pervading thing all around creation that allows the sun to set, allows the seashore to rise and fall that allows the birds to fly. And they came up with this concept of the word. There must be a thing like the word that permeates everything and controls the universe. And John takes this concept, similar to the way that Paul in Athens stands on the Areopagus and says, oh, you people, I see you're worshipping an unknown God. Let me tell you about the real God. So John takes their language and their understanding and he says, this word that you are talking about that controls everything, you're right, but this word is Jesus. This is Jesus. In our Old Testament passage that we had, uh, it's, it's Proverbs 8. Proverbs 8 is all about wisdom and how wisdom was with God at the beginning. And in a way, scholars point that this use of wisdom is synonymous with Jesus, that you can see the overlap of the language being used, which is kind of incarnational language. Even in the Old Testament, you get this aspect, this attribute, and you hear echoes of Jesus being spoken about in, in, this, in this passage. And I want to read it again to you. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the foundations of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in the whole world and delighting in mankind. You hear that echo of language, of, of Christ, of, of wisdom, of being there. Now Christ comes into the world and he, as wisdom in a sense, shows us what true wisdom is. And the wisdom of Christ is the cross where justice is dealt out with sacrifice, where forgiveness is given and the love of God is seen. When the world and its cultural narrative of power, of wealth, of domination is turned upside down and true wisdom is seen in the sacrifice where God lays down his life for his creation. You know the song, this, our sin was great. What can take away our sin, as the song goes? Our sin was great, his love was greater. What can take away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was no ordinary man. He was God, he is God. God coming down being written into the story for us and doing what only God can do. He who created it coming to fix it all and redeem it all. And now this is where our Colossians reading comes in, that Christie read. Listen to this language. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. 
and through him reconciled to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The gospel again. Do you see this Jesus? Because that is the question we all must answer. Do we see, do we know who our Jesus is, who our Saviour is? Do we grasp what God has done for us and thus know the character of God because we know what he's done in Jesus? And knowing the character of God and believing in Jesus then brings us into union with God because he's like, you know me and I know you. The narrative of scripture is kind of, I've just summarized it in these really, these brief kind of scriptural passages. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Jump forward to John's gospel. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John 1.14, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John 19, when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And then Revelation 20. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has now passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, I am, make, I am making everything new. And this is our God. This is his plan. He's always been his plan. This is our Jesus, and to him be glory and honor forever. Don't let your understanding of Christ be pulled down to a small wisdom leader. Lift him up and exalt him. At the same time, bring him close. It is a difficult thing that we're called to do. We're called to exalt and see the glorious Christ seated on the seated at the right hand of God on the throne of heaven who all majesty and power is his. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And we're also called to see him as friend and shepherd and close to us and the one who whispers his love into our hearts. That is the tension of what we're called to do. And sometimes in pride, we lift him up and we push ourselves away. Or sometimes again in pride, we just see him as close and we forget that he's glorious and we should submit to him. We have to have this tension of seeing both. And I tell you this, my faith came alive when I started to pray, not to a distant God, dear God, but when I started to use the words of Jesus, Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, these intimate expressions of who God wants us to know him as. That is how I would encourage you to pray, know Jesus like this. And I'll finish with this random little story. The other day I was invited to a, a opening, a red carpet event in which I went along and I there's a, there's a program called The Chosen, which some of you might know. It's quite good. It's on Amazon Prime. If you want to look at it, it's about the life of Jesus. And I met the Jesus guy. It was quite funny. And, uh, you know, he's got the long hair and, you know, the, the kind of, he looks like Jesus. And, um, and his name's Jonathan. You know what I mean? He's, he's not Jesus. But one day we will meet him. We will meet him. 
And will we know him? We'll be like, yeah, you're, you're Jesus. And we can. You can know him now. He doesn't need to be distant. He can be close. He is both majesty and glory and power and he holds everything in his hand and he is also the one who says to you, I love you. I lay down my life for you. Know me. Amen.